In this episode, my youngest son, Jake, and I discussed Nelson Nash's work becoming your own banker, and we had fun doing it. Thank you for listening. Welcome to the Making With Life podcast. I'm your host, James Nethery. I'm as excited as I can be today. I have my youngest son, Jake, on here as a guest, and we're just going to have a, a, a free-flowing conversation as usual. And uh, I'm excited to have him here. He'll be on more in the future. Many of you, our clients, already know him and have talked with him many times. Um, welcome, my young son, Jake. How's it going? It's good. <laughs> Thank you for having me, man. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited that you're here, too. So a little bit of background, you know. Um, let me see. Uh, you know, you've how long have you been here? In, almost six years. Almost six years. Okay, here we are in August of 21. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, January. in the back. January will be six years. In January, it'll be six years working in the office full time. Yeah. Prior to that, you were with Wells Frado. I mean, I'm saying that. You, you don't have to say a word. All right, I'm saying that. Um but even and, but prior to that, you know, you um, you met Nelson. How old were you? Do you remember how old you were when you met Nelson? I I have age ranges. I think I was somewhere between 13 and 15 because it was before I was driving. So uh-huh. I was driving at 16. So 13 to 15. You can be there. driving at 16, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so, yes, um, I was a really young kid. And I, I've told some of our clients this, um, don't hold it against me, but I remember, I remember my first time like hearing Nelson live. Yeah. Um, I remember playing Game Boy on my, on my Game sure, Boy. In, in the, the back, not paying attention. In the back, not paying attention <laughs> whatsoever. Um, uh, but you've hosted Nelson a lot, quite a bit. Um, and I remember the first time, like the concept really caught my eye. It had uh, sadly nothing to do with Nelson or you. Um, uh, it was it was Jason who um, you know directed your DVD. Um, he was shooting. Oh, Jason, the the uh, the director, yeah, right, and the uh, producer of the Banking with Life DVD. Yeah. Yep. At this time, he, I think it was one of his first um, Nelson Nash seminars that he had been at. And the reason why I say it, it had to be one of his first um, because he was filming that one. And mm-hmm. I remember he caught my eye because when Nelson was going over just, I guess, some of the illustrations, again, I don't remember exactly, you know, which one it was, um, uh, but the guy was like slapping his forehead. Like he was like, he was sitting there like watching Jason the guy. Rink Jason Rink was like, like going, like, you know. Well, Jason's cool, man. He's an old school hipster. And his son, Ethan, <laughs> yeah. used to come up quite a bit. Yeah, and yeah. And run the camera or something. Absolutely. So it was just his, you were watching him record a Nelson Nash presentation and something that resonated him smacking his head like he's getting something or. I knew something. I knew there was something to this with how big he was reacting. Yeah. Like, like he was having this revelation, this moment. Mm. And I I was not having that at that point in time because I wasn't paying attention, Uh -uh. but he was having a moment and I recognized that, you know, I, you know, I talked to Jason as well, and I like Jason. And he's pretty cool. I mean, because there, that, yeah. that was look the filming of that Banking with Life DVD, and it's a documentary style film. Um, that took place over the whole year, I believe, of 2012. Mm-hmm. We released it in Birmingham at a think tank in 2013, 100 year anniversary of the Federal Reserve. Mm-hmm. What a quinky dink, right? Kind of like it was on purpose or planned that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just saying that Jason was here an awful lot and around the country, you know. Yeah. We, we did get to spend a lot of time with him during that whole process. So this had to be 2007, 2008, because this is, I graduated in 2009. Oh. And this is well before that. 
This is so, oh, this is before. Oh, okay. This is like one of your first seminars, like that you're doing. Well, the first one we did yeah. quite a few without recording them. That's true. So this. I mean, it had to be one of the first ones you were recording right, right. Um, with Nelson. <clears throat> and the reason I remember it was such a big deal is because like you had mom come up mm-hmm. and this is before Riley. Um, so, I mean, you had mom come up with me and I remember sitting in the back. Well, Riley's 14. So, yeah. Wow. Okay. So, yeah. I'm not even that old. Stop it. <laughs> okay. But it was really cool to, you know, be in this big room, watch my dad presenting in front of God knows how many people were there at that time. 25 to 75, the average being about 30 or 40. I think it was probably 35 to 40, maybe a little bit more than that. Cause I don't remember there being like a bunch of open seats. And I remember, you know, some of them had some open seats, but not that one. And I remember this is before Jason really had his crew. He has like a whole crew now. And even when he did the like Banking with Life DVD mm-hmm. with you, I mean, he had this big old crew. This is well before that. Because, I mean, this is this is like Kim. I think he'd put out the Nullify Now. I think that's what he had directed. No, the movie Nullification. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, he had that out. And I remember he was showing me that and, like, telling me that he had done that. And he had just, like, I don't know if he had just done it. But I, I remember it was very shortly after that had been released. I got it. Him doing this. And so, that's when you knew something was going on. You came out of the ether from Game Boy or whatever game you were playing. Yeah, I mean, I still played my Game Boy in the back of the rooms, you know, when I went. But that was the first time, like, there was something to this. Like, yeah. my dad's not just, you know, you know, sitting up there talking about nothing, right? There, there's something to this. For somebody to have such a big reaction, this isn't, you know, boring old whatever, you know, um, whatever I thought it was at the time. I can't even tell you what well, I thought it was. Well, you know, it it's very exciting. Most people get very excited to talk about life insurance. <laughs> you would be shocked, though. I mean, I talk to people all day long and, you know, I... Yeah, well, wait, wait. Let's do yeah. it. Well, well, I don't want to interrupt you. I mean, what do you talk to people all day long and... And people are so excited about this. I mean, I have people, um, when I first call them just to schedule like my meeting with them, they're like freaking out, like, man, I'm so excited. Like, I can't believe it. Like, let's do this. Like, you know, as soon as I can get on your schedule. Those are the best calls to make. They are. Or have. Okay. Are. So, well, let's kind of get into that. You know, we, and we can go back and forth, but, you know, kind of the background, you know, you've, uh, you know, 14 years ago, that's almost half your life you've been exposed to this and directly to Nelson Nash. And, you know, and what most people don't, what maybe uh, they don't get a, they don't get an experience or, and, and won't have the opportunity to experience it on this side. Um, you know, when Nelson would come to town, you know, I'd pick him up or take him back and we'd eat, you know, breakfast and dinner before and after and during, you know, the the event, which typically took place over two days. I mean, it got down to where he would do a one day event or squinch it up in his 10 hours all in one day, shorten it to eight, whatever. Um, but there's all of that other time and interaction that you have mm-hmm. you know he's been in this office he's been in this room he was in our next door office um going through i mean he he knew exactly what we were doing and how we did it you know and um there's just a lot of time that you had the opportunity to spend with him and even mary when she mm-hmm. came that most people will not they they will they won't have that opportunity and most people you know didn't have that opportunity that's a pretty big deal in my opinion very um but so when you all right so you know you you came to work here full time in Mm -hmm. the office integral part of our practice um and i refer to you as our illustration ninja right i've heard that yeah Right. We have a process. You know, most of our clients all have spoke with Carol, Julie, and um, typically you and me. And you do what's kind of a uh, part, a main part. It's not the only duty that you have. I mean, we all have, 
you know, primary responsibilities, but we're at the end of the day, we're, we're actually a team, you know, and we, mm-hmm. like when I'm on the phone with somebody, a prospective client or a client that everybody knows that I'm on the phone with them. And, and I know mm-hmm. and have seen and, and had a hand in, you know, the illustrations, it's not just like these illustrations just don't, you know, yeah. appear out of nowhere and they are <laughs> all not the same. They're all handcrafted individually. Um, so, but you do the illustration review. And my point is here, we have a process and our clients really get to yep. talk to everybody. And, um, you know, probably they, they probably like Julian Carroll more than me. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, you have an integral part of our process and it is the uh, the uh, building the illustration then then doing the illustration review with our clients. And, yep. and not that that ends there. I mean, you answer questions all day long. Yeah. Um, so talk a little bit about that. You know, what has your experience been over the last six years? You yeah. know, I mean, well, and whatever you're willing to share. Right. So, yeah, no. So I, again, I, I he said I worked at a certain place. I did work there. Um, well, Sprato is what I said. <laughs> yeah. I, you didn't. I did. I, I, I'm not going to go into specifics or anything like that, mm-hmm. but I had seen some things there that I did not like. Um, Personally, I thought it was absolutely disgusting. Well, you um, so you had a firsthand look at retail banking. Yeah. Right. And then the behind the scenes, all the financial experts that, that mm-hmm. you know, the titles that go on in the banking. I don't want to really disparage the entity. You know, they produce or, you know, provide a service. You know, we mm-hmm. all need, you know, uh, banks checking, saving, you know, moving the money. And I really don't want to disparage them in the banking industry. They don't really need any help being disparaged, <laughs> do they? Um, nope. Okay. So you work there and... Yeah. I, I, I'd seen some absolutely ridiculous things. A um, couple of examples. Um, I can't get into names or you know anything like that. Um, but this was not at a time where, if, if anything, it was at a time where the economy was doing very well. So this is post 2007 2000 to 2009. Um, even 2010, people were really still not trusting banks at that point in time. But this is probably, you know, 2011 2012 um i'm working at a, a certain place and i remember a gentleman i'll came strike in. the name sorry no 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 I, I can't say the name you can um yeah but i've already said the name now you're talking about them so that's okay i did not say the name and i'm okay. not disparaging them okay. i am just saying uh this is something that goes on widespread at banks but we had a gentleman again in a peaceful time period where the economy is doing fantastic wanting to take out a large sum of money in cash and a withdrawal Hey, I just want to withdraw my money. I want to withdraw it. And it's, it's not even like you're thinking probably, you know, 100,000. It's not even that much. I mean, much less than that. About half of that, maybe even a quarter. Um, okay. And 25 to 50 grand. Oh, the um, bank didn't have it. There's no question. And he was shocked. I don't know. He was shocked. shocked. And like we told him he could not have that money. Right. And he, the Federal Reserve in Dallas brings us money when we order it up once a week. So come back on Thursday or Friday. I, we can special order you cash and yeah. we can get it to you in the next, you know, five to seven days. Hopefully it's really we're waiting on our next you know shipment to come in. We can put your amount that you want as part of we'll our shipment. We'll call you when it comes in. And we'll call you when it comes it's in. It's like there's a vault cash. right there. Talk about seven days to get your cash to do a, a business deal. Mm. Um, Must be a small town. It was not. Um, <laughs> it was not. And even more shocking than that, I remember, you know, the solution was, well, we can give you like a bank check. Like we can we can give you. <laughs> 
here's a check. Go cash it go somewhere cash else. It somewhere else. <laughs> Absolutely. And the, and the guy, he was like, he's like, I wanted I his cash, that. and they were like, well, if you wanted to take this to another bank, like you know, they'll 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 be happy to. Maybe they've already you know, got their that, shipment. <laughs> well, they're happy to put it in your account because that was their thought. Is like, oh, he's just taking his money away from us. Oh, I got. And that's not true. He wanted to do a deal, and he was telling me about the whole deal he wanted to do, and they needed cash. cash. Yeah. They needed must cash. have been a big drug deal. Uh, that's <laughs> but that was the thing they were like they they had to like mark it down and everything that's part of the process yeah. Yeah, that, yeah. you know um if you know something happens and he did get indicted we have the we'd have the record and he was beside himself about the whole process and i remember thinking yikes um this so is that good. like a revelation to you that I mean, was one of them um i would say the big rev revelation there was it was a tea parter um one time a lady had her husband had passed away and came in with a substantial life insurance check um over a hundred thousand um maybe maybe not substantial to you know some of our clients um but substantial for her, um, for her, her their situation yeah. in her situation she had to be 70 plus and i remember like what we did um she came up she said she wanted to deposit it in the bank anything over fifty thousand we're supposed to contact like they're supposed to contact a you know a personal banker to come over and personal then talk banker talk to the, the person advisor because what they really want to do is put that money into the market, into one of their indexed accounts or something like that yeah, that right. they have. They and don't want to put it on a deposit. No, no. No, no. So they didn't talk to her about CDs Which is or a liability anything. to the bank. They want to get paid to put it in the market. Yeah. So I remember they went from, you know, or the, the tellers to a personal banker mm. to a private banker. And I mean, it all happened within like a 15 minute time period. And she's like confused. And you can tell she's just um, lost her husband. Just lost her husband. Has a check in her hand. And they're and trying to be sold some kind of a financial product. Yeah, perfect timing. She's you Ooh. can tell she's a little scared. You can tell she's very nervous. Sure. She doesn't know what's going on. Her husband probably laid out exactly what she needed to do with it, which you know, put it into this account. Um, and then, you know, withdraw as much as you can. Maybe they didn't go into, you know, those types of specifics, but it was like she was ambushed. And Good I mean word. Yeah, and then essentially taken into the back room where they, you know, did the hard sell. And that's a mode of operation. That's a standard practice. A standard practice. Right. And another was, revelation. Did you start, you know, feeling like, oh my gosh, can't get this stuff off of me? I remember very shortly after that, um, they were telling me that I needed to start matching into a 401k. You remember this? Um, they, they told me I needed to match into a 401k. Um, they were like matching like at 6% at the time. And I was like, and everyone's telling me like, that's where you need to have your monies in a 401k. Yeah. And I'm just like, you know what? My dad knows more than these people because they don't know anything. I remember one time um, somebody came in to buy life insurance and these bankers had no idea what life insurance. They asked, bankers were asking me who I, I was at a teller at the time. <laughs> they were asking me about life insurance. Do, yeah. And the only you know, connection I had, I was not licensed. I, did, I had nothing at the time. The only connection I had is they knew that my dad did life insurance. So they're coming to me asking me about what I know about life insurance. You should have said, here, call my dad. <laughs> have him go see my dad. <laughs> God, I wish I could have at the time. That would have, you know, breached a lot of our contracts yeah, sure. and everything like that. But um, no, but yeah. So, I mean, I didn't trust these people with financial knowledge. The they're longer you stayed me, there, the more you're, you see what you didn't know. These private bankers, I mean, like high level in the company, right? Don't know what they're talking about. Like, and know, have very little financial knowledge. They have licenses that they need to, and they are, they've been paid to get those licenses. But at the same time, like an actual practice, like you talk to these people, especially if you know 
I mean, just if you just know a little bit, you yeah, can talk. Knowing to these. now what you know now, looking back, but look, they're they're learning, they're practicing on their clients oh. or their depositors or whatever their customers. All right, so yep. um, that was another one, and I want to say the, the the biggest one to me though. Um, oh, okay. I don't know if I can talk too much about this, but there was a very big case here in the DFW area, and it was actually nationwide. Um, it was it was a big big deal. Oh, you mean all the shenanigans where they're getting they're opening no. all these accounts over and over and over and over, and the CEO had to leave. No, 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 that okay. was a big deal. Okay. Um, and that was uh, so we were always always told that that was a very isolated event. Sure, and that happened just in that California it was only branch, isolated to North America. Sorry, <laughs> it's what it is, man. Like. That, now it was very illegal what they were doing so most branches like the branch i worked at, i worked at several different branches none of the branches i worked at ever did that because of i mean how illegal that was that was a widespread practice in that one branch but i'm sure it was done not only that place but others um but no this is this is a criminal case this is a criminal case um a, a young man had done something very very stupid and essentially um he got away with it because of some ridiculous circumstances. If I say it, I'm like almost giving away the person. Yeah, we don't want to. I don't want to do all that. Yeah. So, so again, um, but in this specific case, his widow had come in with a big life insurance check. And no kidding. This is a different young, life insurance yeah, check. Yeah, different life insurance check. Mm, this people is, graduate. Yeah, mm, and people actually buy and own and keep life insurance. What a concept. She had several kids, and she was not. She was below the age of forty. And she had several kids. She was a, a stay-at-home mother and was absolutely, he had lots of life insurance. He had substantial life insurance. Good um, yeah, good for him, for sure. Um, but she was absolutely beside herself, you know, brokenhearted about it all, um, like, you know, in tears, like at the branch. And again, all they can talk about is putting it into the market and, you know, they're, you know, special accounts that they have and they're going to take care of it. And I mean, I was just, that was one of the things I was just absolutely disgusted. I, I remember I was like talking to the lady and when they brought over like the private, private banker, I was I, like, I had to walk away. I was just like, it's like, I can't be a part of this conversation. We're just for me, like I, I morally, I cannot be a part of this conversation. Um, well, those days are behind us. So, yeah. um, but you, that's where you came from. You came here, you started, um, I really don't even remember what your original duties were, responsibilities, but um, maybe you do. Was it? Yeah. I don't know. So I can't remember. I, I want to take it back again, back to where I was, because at, at the time they're telling me to match that 401k. Oh, yeah. They're telling me to match that 401k. And I don't trust anything that they're saying. <laughs> so I call my dad and you, you talked to me about it and you were okay. like, you're like, okay, so what you should do with that money is put it into a life insurance policy. And I remember just at the time, like, oh my gosh, he's, you know, my dad's selling me life insurance. Like, great. Um, but you were talking through a 401k, like my dad does this whole presentation on the seed and the harvest. And I mean, you were just giving that to me at that point in time. It's like, it's like, would you rather pay, you know, on the seed of the harvest or the seed of the harvest? Um, it's like, yeah, you, you, you want to pay on the seed, not the harvest. Yeah, lock up your money for 30 years. Lock up your money, no access to it. And well, it's like, you can borrow the, against a 401k. Not without penalties. You can borrow against, uh, against a, 401k. a 401k. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> right, right. I get it. Yeah. Anyways, we, we were going over that and, I remember thinking just like, he's right. I, I, I can't, like, I shouldn't do this. And that really kind of started my um, journey truly into like, you know. So because you're my son, you jumped out and bought a life insurance policy, right? No, no <laughs> I didn't. But I did get interested because yeah. you sent me shortly after um, 
the Banking with Life DVD. And I had never seen it. This had been out probably you know, two or three years at the time. I had never seen it. I was, in fact, mortified to watch it because it was my dad on DVD. Right. Format. Everybody wants to watch her dad on TV. Or, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. You know, um, which is kind of funny to say all of that. But, I mean, at the time, I was mortified to, like, see you on DVD. But I watched it. Oh, my gosh. He's going to embarrass me. Right? No, I'm kidding. I was thinking he was going to embarrass himself on the oh, DVD. yeah. But I mean, if you've watched the DVD, you know, like it's it's a it's a good piece of content to this day. It's it's almost what ten years old, and it is still a fantastic DVD. Mm -hmm. um, and it really, um, I, I would say, my interest really wasn't in the infinite banking concept even at that time. It was more Austrian economics yeah. and um, Nelson, you know, yeah. talking about you know, Austrian economics, you know, seeing Bob, you know, on there and you know, getting interested in you know, Doctor Robert Murphy, yeah. Jason Rink is Austrian libertarian. Yeah, I, I, mean, I don't want to blast him or anything, but if yeah. you know him, you know. <laughs> I'm wearing a Ron Swanson shirt for a reason. Um, but it, but, it, but yeah, it's it, kind of a lively shirt, and we we had a discussion before we, you know coming in. I'm like, really? You know, that's that's what you want to wear? And yeah, he's like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, whatever. You know, at the end of the day, you kind of look like Ron Swanson with if you shave you. your beard. I'm kidding. Thank you. Yeah. I, I take that as a compliment. Okay, so. Um, but yeah, so that's really what got me interested was not necessarily the life insurance aspect, but the the economics aspect. Um, I'm a rebel without a cause, folks. Um, I, I kind of had been as a kid, especially at that age, I was still kind of a rebel without a cause. And because my dad was doing the life insurance aspect, um, I was interested in what he was doing, but I didn't want to do it because, you know. Because he was doing it. Because he was right. doing it. It was, it was absolutely ridiculous. The logic doesn't make sense anymore, um, especially now that I have my own policy. I know the older he gets, the smarter I get, which was and the older my experience with my father and you men out there, you know, the older I get so. the smart. I mean, I've always known he's very intelligent. He's very smart, but it's it's like, uh, you know, Bob tells this funny story about, um, you know, reading the, you know, becoming your own banker book. And, you know, he reads it and the first time he's like, okay, well, there's, you know, this, this, and this, this, and this is wrong with it. And he reads it again. Okay, well, that's right. But this and this is wrong with it. And, he, you know, he gets down to where there's nothing wrong with it. That's how I kind of been, you know, growing up with my dad is like, you know, okay, you know, he's right about a bunch of stuff, but, you know, this, this, and this, and this, like, I just disagree with, and I'm like completely opposite. And the older I get, just that list seems to dwindle. <laughs> so, And my daughter's yeah. like, you know, Riley tells mom, it's like, oh my gosh, dad and Jake are just alike. <laughs> Which is funny. No, that's painful probably. But, you know, to we a young We had that man. conversation not too long ago. Me and Riley had that conversation. <laughs> I was like, I was like, where do you think I fall on the political spectrum? And she's like, she's like. I probably know. read you the right act, told you exactly where you fell. <laughs> you know, funny I enough, know. I, we she was off quite a bit because, oh. I mean, she she thinks I'm like a hardcore. She was thinking at the time, like I was like hardcore Republican, like and which is hilarious because I probably fall on this. Tick some of our clients off, maybe um, some listeners. Actually, the, our clients are some of the smartest people on the planet. And I'm not uh, patronizing. I mean, they're intelligent. Very. You know. So, so again, I, I'd probably fall closer towards like a Jeffersonian Democrat than, you know, anything else. Even, maybe, even far away, you know, far away from libertarian. I think libertarianism is so like chopped up. There's so because you can you can fall in. There's a huge spectrum to libertarianism. Um, I mean, I've seen people who call themselves libertarians and they're like, dang, you're communists. Um, <laughs> so like, it's a big spectrum out there, folks. Um, if you don't know. You know, um, I had a, a client, actually a client. I mean, they've been clients a long time. A lovely lady. 
And she says, James, can I ask you a question? This was, you know, uh, it was a it was a phone review, you know. Um, they live far away. Um, she said, James, can I ask you a question? And I'm like, sure. She said, are you a Republican or a Democrat? And I said, no. <laughs> yeah. And she says, well, what do you mean? I mean, this was just like the other day. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, I'm, I'm neither. She said, well, what are you? I said, well, I'm a, I'm a husband. I'm a father. I'm a brother. I'm a son. I'm an uncle. I'm a nephew. She goes, no, no. You know what I mean? <laughs> I said, well, I'm an anarcho-capitalist if you must put a label on me. She mm-hmm. goes, well, what is that? Um, I think a, a true free market, which we don't have, yep. will uh, produce most all the solutions that we need, mm-hmm. and uh, which a government cannot. Um, and she just was not really simulating that very comfortably, mm-hmm. you know. And I'm like, well, if you, like I said, you know, if you have to, you know, put labels on me, then I might fall closer to a libertarian. Yeah. Well, what is that? <laughs> and I said, well, just, you know, uh, Leave me alone and mm-hmm. don't touch my stuff. Right. They'll sum it up, you know, pretty good. And she's yeah. like, oh, okay. But then she went off in to tell me what's wrong with the, you know, parties today. And yeah. And I just continued to point out the fact that there's really no difference, you know, right, left, two feathers of the same bird. Yeah. You know, uh, each two sides of the same coin yeah and i wouldn't say she got angry but she wasn't pleased <laughs> you know but you makes know, sense god love her she uh yeah lovely you know does very well in retirement very happy so yeah um i'm with you i i I'd yeah. prefer personally to move away from the labels um yeah but in this generation or that not even this generation in this day and age i mean everybody wants to put a label on you mm-hmm. you know and it's like please no you know um. Anyway. Yeah. No. I'm. I'm right there with you. And yeah. I. I can't really put a label on it. Like she was trying to nail me down to a label, and I just. I, I can't because it's like. I mean, you can. It gets uncomfortable for everybody, doesn't it? <laughs> not only that, it's like. <laughs> like even like again, I've narrowed it down to as close as I can to really like a Jeffersonian Democrat, and there's a lot of like stuff, and I'm just not like a hundred percent like with at the end of the day um i do believe government can be essential is essential to what we do especially in such a large society but i believe it needs to be done at a a, you know very local level very small local level and if there is a federal government a very very small federal government that has no control over the states um i remember you know i think it was jeff dice who done a presentation Mm -hmm. at the infinite banking uh uh, symposium or what's that um uh, the Nelson, Nash, Nelson Nash Nelson Nash Institute Think uh, Tank yeah Think Tank Symposium the last one we had done where we're all in person before COVID um, and he, he Jeff Deist was there and he was talking and he kind of you know gave the breakdown of you know it's like let California be California do yeah. what Californians do let the Texans do what they want to do and like let people be people that's politically where I'm at yeah I love him and hopefully uh, you know he's agreed you know, uh, hopefully he'll come on as a guest. I love the way, and he is the president of uh, Mises. Yeah. Um, Mises Institute. Great speaker. Great, great writer. <clears throat> I mean, mm-hmm. I love I love his writing. I love his writing style. I love his speaking style. Mm-hmm. And I'm excited to, uh, as a matter of fact, I mean, he is, I think, going to be in Colorado Springs, him and some others, you know, at a Mises Circle and. uh I think this Sunday or Saturday on the 21st, which would be Saturday. 
and I just couldn't squeeze out because Ryan, my oldest son, yeah, his birthday's this weekend. We're going to celebrate that, but um, thirty—that's a man I would travel. I would, I would travel to listen to Ron. Paul. There's lots of people I travel to listen to, and yeah. Jeff is one of them. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, if I were to ever vote for any. You know, buddy like ever. No. It, I know, but if I were to ever vote for anybody, it would either be a Ron Paul um, or it, like if Jeff yeah. Dice went political. Yeah, like, sure, I, I he'll think, run. I, yeah, I mean, he probably has no aspect, you know, yeah. any, any aspirations of doing that. But I mean, those types of people, like they get it sure. at a very high level, you know, how government should be broken down. But again, we're, we're so far away from that just as a country. Like, I don't even, can't even get into that. Yeah, probably secessions in the future. I don't know. Okay, so did you do the 401k and get the match? Nope. You didn't do I the life insurance at that time. I listened to my dad. I did not do the 401k. You partially listened to your dad. <laughs> right. I partially listened to my dad. I did I did not do the 401k. I did not do the life insurance at that point either. Um, but shortly after, um, I, I, I came to work for you. And I... Here. Yeah. Right. It, here in the office in this practice. It was actually next door, back when we were over next door. Mm -hmm. And I was working like in the back room, um, you know, building illustration. That's really, um, I remember one of my first days, you know, I started working for him. Um, my dad sat me down with the illustration software and he showed me once how to do it. He's like, he's like, take notes, take good notes. This is how you do it. And then learn. So it's OJT around here, but yeah. you know, everybody here is qualified, able, capable, great people, great mindset. Mm -hmm. And, uh, we help each other. You know, mm -hmm. it's like, I think literally, I believe I can do anything, Yeah, but I can't do everything. Right. And there's your, you're better at some things than I am. I'm better at some things than other people are. And so our philosophy here is, and it works, it actually works is that we, uh, you know, play to people's strengths and mm -hmm. then we cover or help in their weakness because everybody has strengths and weaknesses. Yeah. Um, you know, and at the end of the day, if, uh, you know, we have a legitimate process, we do things correctly. And I'm not trying to, you know, toot our own horn and all of that, but we have a method, we have a process and it's individualized and it's okay. And it works. So, um, and, I'm just sharing that. So you started out building illustrations. Yep. And you would review every single one of them with a fine tooth comb, still does. Um, and <clears throat> mm -hmm. nothing wrong with that at the end of the day. Um, actually, I have these notes right here. And one of the first he things- came prepared. I did come prepared. <laughs> one of the first things that really stuck out to me is on page 12 of the Becoming Your Own Banker book. And this is what Nelson said. He said he made a good living from the life insurance business. Knowing how dividend paying life insurance works is an essential ingredient to it all. Most people have a minimal understanding of the subject, including the home office personnel at a life insurance company. And I will extend that at this point to agents as well. No question. I get beat up from time to time. I'm not, I don't, I'm not the world's police. I'm not the IBC police. Um, you know, I try to operate in, in with encouragement. Um, but, you know, I'm kind of harsh sometimes on agents and financial advisors or practitioners and, you know, and in the thin sum, okay. If the shoe fits, wear it. You know, as yeah. a matter of fact, uh, well, anyway, we'll get into that later. <laughs> but, you know, the, the people that, the agents that that uh, that give me pushback or, you know, talk about me on their little private pages and things like that that are negative, I'm directly talking about them, right? And But, but you got to know that I talk to agents every week. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm, I give my time freely to agents. Now, if you're a NNI practitioner, 
you have preference, yeah. right? I mean, I'll give, you know, almost every man an answer. Yeah. But um, so, and I appreciate the agents and advisors that listen, you know, and, and, and it's okay to, to, to have an opposite opinion or an opposite viewpoint. Um, I think debate is healthy. But Nelson Nash himself, what do he say there on page 12, if you'd reiterate that, just so the listener doesn't have to back up and rehear it? And I'm actually going to throw something on page 37 as well, just to add on to that. But okay. what he said on page 12 is knowing how dividend paying whole life insurance works is an essential ingredient to it all. Most people have a minimal understanding of the subject, including the home office personnel at life insurance companies. And of course, I'm dragging that onto agents as well. Right. Well, look, if, if this this idea of becoming your own banker, uh, has, that ability has, has, has existed for over 100 years, why doesn't everybody in the world know about it? Yeah. Right. Well, why doesn't I was in the life insurance business 14 years? moderately successful not the last guy in line might not have been the first guy in line and i get it i might be the slowest guy in the room right 14 years i didn't know you could do with life insurance what you could now why didn't i know when i'm a student of my mm -hmm. profession history my i mean i'm trying to do better right mm -hmm. i'm trying to learn and it's almost i suffer from fomo you know, fear of missing out. I mean, you know, back in the day, you, you had to have, uh, like in the life insurance business, I think you still have to have 30 hours of continuing education. Mm -hmm. I used to log all the continuing education. And it was five times that yeah. on average, right? Now, all of that didn't qualify for the, you know, the continuing education credits with the different licensings and all of that. Mm -hmm. And I did it for me and my clients, our clients, right? Yeah. Um, now, if I'm trying to pay attention, 14 years, and I didn't know about it, why not? Why didn't somebody at the home office tell me, James, look at what you can do with life insurance? They don't know. Well, why don't they know it? The life insurance home office, nobody told them either. Yep. Right? And so, um, I'm, I get pretty uh, methodical on structure, um, on purpose, with intent. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly why right there. It's essential. Yeah. So, okay. And, thanks for letting me share that. You know, going on to that as well, you know, kind of keeping on that, you're, you're talking about, you know, structure, how important that is. And I see all these people out there talking about how they're building infinite banking, you know, concept policies for people. And these are not infinite banking concept policies. And at the end of the day, um, whether it's, you know, um, the structure of that policy or I, we've had clients very recently, um, they take this to an agent, a local agent, and the local agent sells them universal life. I have two points on the universal life. Because um, it illustrates better. Right. Okay. Well, one of these um, on the universal agent. life, this is what Nelson says on page 39. I have never sold one of these policies. He's talking about universal life policies. I have never sold one of these policies, and I would never buy one. I do not recommend its use for the infinite banking concept. If you, if you haven't heard yet and you have a universal life policy and you think you're doing the infinite banking concept, you're not. Just spoiler alert. That's straightforward. <clears throat> you know, banking, let me say banking is a process, right? I can take farm equipment down to the bank and borrow against it if it has value, right? I can, you can bank with it. You can leverage anything of value, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So banking is a process. It's a movement of money. Mm -hmm. Can you borrow against a universal life policy? 
Yeah, it has a loan provision. It'll probably have a 10, 7, 8, 10, 12, 15 year surrender period. You got a whatever, humpteen dollars in account value, but no surrender value. Can you borrow against that? Huh? Oh, okay. Um, so, but they illustrate very well. Yeah, right? they do. They, they illustrate very well. So if you're the agent advisor, the financial person, you know, it's like, look at these big numbers, yeah. right? 20 is bigger than 10. So it must be better. Right. Right. Um, and, you know, WC, I was talking just yesterday to a young man and I brought up WC Fields. He's a, mm -hmm. a new client. And uh, I said, do you even know who WC Fields is? And this this young man was in his thirties, thirty mid thirties. Yeah. And he's like, no, no, I don't. <laughs> okay, you have an opportunity. Just stop in WC Fields, and you'll find some old black and white footage. But you know, WC Fields, there's three. This is me, right? When it comes to a life insurance purchase, right? There's the life insurance company. Mm -hmm. There's the agent, and then there's the owner. Right. The payer. And I know there's a beneficiary and, you know, the life of the insured, too. There's three components to a life insurance policy. I'm just talking about the equation of a life insurance purchase. The life insurance company, the agent, right, and the payer, the owner of the policy, the, the payer, right? And, uh, you know, the life insurance company made money. <laughs> I knew you were going with this. And, you know, the agent got paid. <laughs> and two out of three ain't bad. Yeah. Yep. WC Fields. It's like, whew. Yeah. And then, I, I, and I probably should, I probably should stop, you know, but look, I'm Scotch Irish, have the right to remain <laughs> silent, but not the ability sometimes. Um, the agent should know, and, and hopefully that they'll discover sometimes, but the uh, universal life typically does not deliver happy, clients because they've been served well mm -hmm. it's sometime in the future they're going to be disappointed yeah right and then how Structurally, much of, it, it's built to be disappointed the longer it's it's in force how how much of that kind of business do you want do you want to wake up in five ten or fifteen years shaving and saying oh my gosh all my clients love me everything worked out perfectly or it's like my gosh these people lost a lot of money you know, I don't know. That's right. And um, I, I wanted to, I keep going back to page 37 because there's something on here. And this, I think, speaks to the IBC marketplace right now. Um, whether you're on YouTube, shopping around, looking at, you know, all the different things that people are saying out there. Um, this is what Nelson had to say about it. And again, it's page 37. Um, he's talking about other things, but I think this absolutely applies to the IBC current IBC marketplace. The whole idea of the infinite banking concept started with the realization that there's a huge amount of nonsense going out in the marketplace because of a misclassification of things. People saying that they are selling you, you know, infinite banking concept policies and they do not resemble anything of the infinite banking concept. These people are directly contradicting Nelson Nash himself. They are violating everything that Nelson Nash stands for, what he still stands for to this day. His book stands for it. I mean, blows my mind, but they will misclassify it to sell something. That's these, right. These agents will misclassify what they are selling to get you to write some, write a check. And it's, it blows my mind that. But they don't yeah. know, you know, most of the time, I think that most of the agents are unaware. Yeah. Um, 
I like to believe they're unaware and they don't know because I'd hate to think that the majority knew and just trying to get paid anyway. Yeah. But, um, yeah, misclassification. You know, Nelson spent a lot of years. He was a forester by education, right? And uh, he used to talk about the uh, the Rose family, you know, and then you, you look at classification in forestry and the Rose and, the mm-hmm. you know, the tax was really thick. But the largest section of classification in forestry was in the Rose family, you know, five pistons, five stamens, five, five stamens, five seeds. Mm-hmm. Um, classification is very important. And I brought that up one time too. <clears throat> if we go back to, uh, into, uh, Genesis, you know, proper classification when God told Noah to gather up the animals, you know, seven of the unclean, mm-hmm. right? And then, uh, two of the clean or is it vice versa? Yeah. And it's seven clean, two unclean, I think. Right. Um, and bring them male and female. Mm-hmm. Very basic and fundamental classification. Very basic. Classification is pretty important. Absolutely. You know, what if he took the two males or two females? And, you know, I'm just saying classification is very important. That's my point. Yep. And I, I spoke on that somewhere. And um, I love Nelson's book uh, example in the book where he talks about the potato, um, how they brought the potato over yeah. and everybody thought it was poisonous because it's in the same family as, you know, like Belladonna. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I'm trying to remember uh, Nightshade, mm-hmm. um, J- Jameson Weed, um, Jameson Weed. Um, all of those are like in the same family. So they're all very poisonous. Everything about that family is very poisonous. So everybody thought the potato was poisonous, which Nelson points out in the book. The stem is the green part is yeah. absolutely poisonous. Don't eat it. Yeah. But, I mean, his breakdown of that and the misclassification of things yeah. is absolutely, you know, spot on. Um, if you don't, you know, of course, I want you to watch our podcast, right? You, I want you to watch the podcast. Of course. <clears throat> I want you to be watching the podcast. But if you don't know what's right and what's wrong, right? If you're watching, you know, out there on YouTube and you're you're watching, you know, other people's channels as well, I encourage you to stop. But um, if you are doing it and you don't know who to trust, Trust Nelson Nash and get into his book. Read it, read it over again, read it over again, again. And that's how you, once you understand what you're doing here and you understand what you should be doing, you really can't mess this up because that's that's how this product is designed is not to, you know, not to break. I mean, that's, that's that was the whole purpose. Yeah, you, you have to, you have to make an, you have to try to break it, to break it. There's no question. Yeah. Um, and I agree with that. If you don't know what to do, it's, it's better sometimes to educate yourself, learn what to do is to do something and make a mistake. But we're all human. We all make mistakes. And, you know, uh, a lot of mistakes, even with, when it comes to dividend paying whole life insurance, um, you know, you can recover from a lot of mistakes, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, universal life and, and variable life and other things like that, you can recover, but it's going to cost, you know, potentially a lot of money. Um, yeah. And, you know, there's plenty of time, but none to waste. It's okay to take a legitimate amount of time to learn, mm-hmm. to be comfortable, and, and to be confident in your decisions. And, you know, if anyone is, uh, you know, trying to rush you through to get to a decision, you know, it's it's okay to slow down. Um, mm-hmm. And you all know that. I'm not saying anything that we don't know. I'm just trying to be encouraging because I see a lot and I know you do too. Um, we just see a lot where, you know, the message must be really powerful. And it is. Becoming Young Bangers is one of the most 
powerful messages I've heard in my in my entire life. Um, it is very motivating, mm-hmm. and you know somebody that uh, is misclassifying their product or their solution right to kind of fit the infinite banking idea and concept and attach it to nelson's work and legacy um i get the the compelling nature of the message right um but you do have to be aware of you know products which and it doesn't mean you have to be a life insurance expert either Right. But it, it should take the reasonable, appropriate amount of time to learn and vet. Right. Absolutely. Um, so and it's worth it. You know, if it's mm-hmm. if I've got a delay, I mean, it's a Nelson's book is a three hour read. If you're a slow reader All right, and it's OK to read it more than one time. Yeah. You can get that done in a week and it's and it's good to read and, and go away, let it ruminate and then come back and read, you know, mm-hmm. Um I mean, it's just okay to take the appropriate amount of time for you, and yep. it's different for everyone, to uh, before to educate yourself before making a decision. Yeah, right. And this is right. not a contradiction of what he just said because this is this is straight up not. Uh, at the end of the day, you cannot let Parkinson's law sit in. You exactly. cannot let it get it into your bones because right. if you, I think that's what most people when they take a long time to make a decision about this, it's Parkinson's law. It's not. It's not. Um, because Nelson himself, he eats on page 65, read this. Um, above all, get started now. And here's the thing. You should get started as quickly as you can with this. And again, it's a three-hour read. It's a three-hour read, folks. And these podcasts, I, mean, I get it. You can watch 100 hours of podcasts and you can almost put yourself into a paralysis. Right. But it's like, do not let Parkinson's law sit in. Once you understand that this is something good, this is something you should be doing, you should be calling us, getting this started Get to ASAP it. pronto. There's there's no it, reason to, to hold off. There's not. And the learning curve continues. Yeah. Right. You're not going to know it all when, when you get your first policy. Nah. Even your second policy, you won't know it all. It's just not possible. I'm sorry. Like, feel confident that you're doing the right thing. But at the same token, like, don't take forever. Don't let, you know, because you don't know everything, don't let that paralyze you from making a decision. Right. So what else, what other notes did you make there? I, I mean, I made some good ones. Uh, another, I, so um, I did make a couple other notes. One is, you know, on page 63, he talks about this is an exercise in imagination, reasoning, logic, and prophecy. Um, that's a big thing for me. Um, that's one of my, when I do my meetings with our clients, that's something I go over quite a bit. And the reason for that is because I feel like so much out there is lacking imagination, reasoning, and right. logic. I feel like this hits on every single point. And Nelson said, "This is, I mean, this ex, this is an exercise in imagination, reason, logic, and prophecy." There's exact words. I mean, I think if you're doing something out there um, that lacks imagination, maybe it's you can only build policies a certain way. You know, I, I've heard that so often. And my dad said it earlier, you know, in our conversation here is each and every policy is designed specifically for that client. I hear people all the time. Well, James and Ethery, you guys do 3070 or you guys do 4060 or you guys do 2080 or, or 1090 or whatever it happens to be. Just spell my name right. Yeah, right. Um <laughs> It's such a joke. It's like every client has an individually built policy. I have a client client's case right now um, on my desk. He wants to pay in about 300 bucks a month. 
Um, he is. You mean it's not a hundred thousand a year, fifty thousand right. a year, twenty five thousand? You can really do this for three hundred dollars a month. Yep. And now he is age. Um, he is beyond age sixty five, so he's an older gentleman. Um, and at that point, it's really just the, the the base whole life insurance of that policy is really what that's able to buy that three hundred bucks a month. Perfect. Everything that he wants to go above, and he can go above that, and he wants to go above that, he can do, and it'll go to the PUA. Now, with this policy, if we were to do something like a, um, you know, a 3070 or 20, you know, 80 or a 9010 or 1090, whatever you call it, um, at the end of the day, that would not fit for him because this man, he does not have the ability to put more than 10 grand into this policy. So if 3500 is your base, right, just base whole life insurance and you're doing like a 1090 for the guy, right? That ain't going to happen. Wouldn't that be like a... Like a like a thirty five thousand dollar maximum premium or something for that policy, ten mm. percent is yeah, yeah, base. Sure. So I mean that's a massive premium. He would never be able to get close to that. That would hurt that man's policy. <clears throat> the term to buy that. I mean he pretty much the, the term to get that policy in force would essentially you know eat up anything he want to pay above that. Sure. I mean it would hurt the man. So when you say a policy should be built a specific way and you have this program that you're selling to folks um, and you're saying this is the only way you are directly talking. I mean, you were directly flying in the face of Nelson Nash and what he said. Absolute um, conflict. You, I mean, you, you violated imagination, reasoning, logic. Um, and then, of course, going back to what he's talking about, misclassification of things. I mean, well, I can I can prophesy what's going to happen to those policies. Oh man, so yeah, that's a good point. But too on that, and I don't know who you're speaking of there, but on that particular case, an older gentleman, I want to pay three hundred a month. Well, let's say that's all I had was you know thirty six hundred a year. I'm not going to get a base whole life policy for three hundred and sixty dollars. Ten percent of that, you know. So the idea that a cookie cutting fits everyone is. Is hogwash. Well, then you, then that would be. Oh, okay. Well, then I'm too old to do this, right? Right. Okay. And it's the same isn't going to work for a child. Yeah. And the same is not going to. I mean, it's just it's ludicrous. I was reading the other day, um, and uh, there was a question posed, and I think it was an honest, legitimate question, and and the and the guy asked something like, "Well, when should a policy, a banking policy?" Uh, total premium be equal to total cash value. <laughs> and then some Yahoo just directly says in two to three years. It's like, get out of town, man. Get out of town. It's like... And that changes I mean, based on everyone's case. That changes on everyone's case. No, this guy's answer yeah. is like, that applies to everybody. And if it's not that, it's not right. Um, Absolutely ridiculous. You know, but so, and I, I think people should know better. If you don't know... Why would you be telling what other people, why would you be telling other people to do anything? You know, when our clients, oh gosh, whenever you talk to them and they start pointing out to you what the truth is and what the noise is and why it's noise and uh -huh. they can explain it to you, you're just like, bring a tear to your eye. It's like, seriously, I'm telling it's the you. exact opposite of working at that other place that I'd worked at. Oh. I mean, it's like you, you go home feeling bad about yourself at the end of the day here. Like I'm having clients reinforce every single day what I'm doing. Jake, what you're doing is absolutely God's work, man. It is, it is the best thing you can be doing. I, you are so blessed to be doing this. And it's like, I mean, I feel great going home at the, at the end of the day, every single day. I sleep very well. Um, we can move you a bed up here somewhere. <laughs> you don't even have to leave. <laughs>
But then your little, your little dog can't take care of himself. Yeah, so. that's well, he, he's a poor dumb little dog. I, I love my dog, but he, he really, for those who don't he's know. He's got a great personality. He, he is a, the sweetest dog. Well, he's a very sweet dog. Um, he's just a little dense. He's spoiled, but he is just very, very dumb. Um, he's given himself multiple concussions, a stroke. Um, <laughs> God bless the dog. You know, he's just, he's not an old dog either. He's like three years old and I, 10 plus concussions. And I, I mean, like, so when I give him treats, man, he, he looks at me and he starts running. Cause he gets so excited run right and just runs right into walls, anything, the table. I mean, he thinks he's like in a big outdoor open space. So we're in the kitchen and he's like running full force <laughs> into the cabinets. And you're just like, Oh, you know, God bless the dog. But uh, anyways, you know, kind of pulling back to the, you know, infinite banking concept. Um, you know, I, I love doing this. I really love doing this. And I hope, especially for our clients. I think they, they understand that as well. Cause they, when they get to talk to me, I'm very passionate. Um, much like my dad over here, very passionate about the subject. Um, me and my dad, we don't always agree on every subject in the what? world. I know shocker. Um, and I am a rebel. So there's things that he says that I just, I, I almost, I mean, to this day still, you know, fight against, but we are a hundred percent clear when it comes to the infinite banking concept, what is right and what is wrong. And I mean, we are completely and totally on the same page about that. And, I love this. I love this. I love the infinite banking concept. I implement it myself. I borrow. So you my finally policies. got around to buying a life insurance of policy. Of course huh? I do, and <laughs> used it too. Um, I've done things that you know are very high level um, with the infinite banking concept, and I love it. I absolutely love it. Um, another thing I wanted to uh, point out: uh, a couple different things. Um, one person I just wanted to highlight and just say. You know, you're an awesome client kind of thing. So he, he's a he's a podcast guest. Um, he did uh, podcast number fifty one with you, wow. um, Brian Mulvaney. Mm. This this guy is doing it at such a high level, um, Nelson Nash level kind of like like infinite banking concept. It's he has policies on him and his wife. Um, I, I don't want to get into all his business and everything like that. But I mean, we talk about um, even distribution of age classes. I mean, this man has done it. He's doing it. Yeah. Like, go watch his podcast. That man is doing it. He's what? He's on three or four generations. Yeah, is three it? generations. I think. I don't think he has great grandchildren yet. Okay. Well, we've laid the groundwork. The fourth and the fifth generation will be affected by that man's work. Yep. He's still a young man too. It's not like he's like you know he's you know sixty five, seventy. He's not. He's not an. He's he's a very young man still. He's he's a great guy. Um, and two, I remember. Whenever uh, it's been several years, but I think he brought it up on that episode mm -hmm. that, uh, you know, they had practiced banking. Mm -hmm. You know, they practiced banking because they like to do what they like to do as a family and it cost money. Right. And uh, this was like the missing ingredient to fulfill their family banking. Yeah. Right. And so it was really, it was a, that was a cool deal. And we have a lot of clients like that. I know mm -hmm. some other, I don't know what number of episode. Yeah. But uh, Michelle and Junior. Yeah. I, I, hey, Andrew, is that their podcast been released yet? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's been Michelle a and long Junior? Time. Really a long time. Yeah, yeah. I, didn't they do one pretty recently, though? <clears throat> um, no, I don't know. Mm. Well, they continue to expand their system is why they've probably been in front of you. Okay, yeah, right, absolutely. They're doing the same thing, you know, whatever, the, them, their children, their grandbabies. Mm -hmm. I mean, we have others, no? I mean, you really can't mention every client that you have. I mean, you, but... Yeah. Um, you know, and two, speaking of the guests, I mean, I'm so appreciative of them and a lot of 
clients with because of their public uh, exposure, you know, they can't really come on a, a podcast. Um, yeah. But the ones that do and that are able to, I think it's incredibly valuable. I hope it is. And I know we get a lot of good, great feedback from clients because everybody's different. They're all doing different things. Mm-hmm. And we all go through this. It's almost like a mental gymnastic, this mental path that we go down. Mm-hmm. And it, depending on how old you are, that, you know, some of the thought processes are different, but they're all also very similar. You know, your money's got to reside somewhere. Why life insurance? How does that make sense? You know, everything I think I know about life insurance, it's pretty tough to discover what you think you know that's not so. Yeah. That's a tough pill, you know, and it takes a certain amount of, you know, uh, emotional integrity, right, yeah. to accept that, like, well, this is not not what I thought it was. And I, maybe I've, I've been put a lot of money and time, effort, and energy into it, you know? Yeah. You know, I've been uh, licensed for 31, 30 years, a long time. And what I've seen, and I've seen a lot. I haven't seen everything. You know, I get up every day and see something new. And I'm still a student. Um, but... I have had the opportunity and the pleasure of working with a lot of people over the years. Yeah. Right. And, and I mean, they're just case after case. They're just, they just come with regular consistency, right? That somebody will be like, well, James, I've got this policy and it's with this company. Um, maybe it was a great stalwart mutual company who demutualized. Gave them a payout, but still pay dividends. Um, they have these really old life insurance policies, and they were just typically structured dividend-paying life insurance policies. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the conversation is really interesting because they'll they'll explain how they've used it. You know, they've borrowed against it. They've repaid in times of great need. Um, sometimes they haven't repaid. Um, sometimes they've taken the dividend to reduce the premium mm-hmm. and sometimes they haven't. But when you look back and they share with you what they've actually done with that policy in the face, they've heard all of the noise that whole time Well, you should put your money over here. You should surrender that. You should do this. You should take all of that cash value, rip it out and go buy whatever I want to get paid on kind of a deal. So they pushed back against the noise. They were steadfast in their decision. And I'm talking over 10, 15, 20 years. Yeah. Um, these are beautiful things. The internal rate of return is incredible. All of the things that they've done that you can't enumerate on an illustration or yeah. a life insurance annual statement. Very powerful. Yeah. And I remember the first time. That uh, not not the first time. Early on, after I had met Nelson, right with this dividend-paying life insurance, have a client, and the widow is still our client today. Mm-hmm. And the gentleman, the husband, graduated maybe uh, fifteen years ago ish, okay. something like that. Um, and I just knew at the time that they became a client that you know they had coverage right he had a life insurance policy i'm like you need to keep that mm-hmm. and you know not and so i mean i like to think i did the right thing and i did looking mm-hmm. back in history um but when he graduated and that thing paid out 
it's like, she, of course, she couldn't find the original policy. I just asked her, you know, and, and couldn't really even find the annual statements. Or maybe there was one or two. I can't remember. I didn't have a total picture. But with what I could see, that was a fabulous a fabulous financial tool for them. Yeah. It was fabulous. Um, paid the dividends. They were up and down. The cash value increased and the death benefit increased. And she needed it. Yep. You know, but they too uh, stuck to their decision, mm-hmm. right, in face of all the noise. Because there's financial, you know, gurus come in and out of our clients' lives and have, you know, typically whenever – you know, we um, get a client or a client is presented, you know, there's, and it really depends on how old they are, mm-hmm. but all it's been this way my whole career. They wind up with a hodgepodge, you know, they bought some things from mutual funds or life insurance from their brother-in-law or their nephew or their son-in-law or their brother. And then they worked at this company and had a 401k and then they had a cash balance plan, a mm-hmm. profit sharing at this company and moved to another and bought this along the way and bought that. And, you know, you, you come closer to retirement and you've got all of these things that have been, they've been compartmentalized. Yeah. Um, Over diversification will do that to you all day long and twice on Sunday. All day long. Right. Um, so I'm just saying that this, this was, their case was no different. Um, but the whole life insurance that he had and kept in force served them very well, much better than a lot of the other financial decisions that they had made. Yeah. And if that's the case, um, and it is, why isn't the life insurance industry um, just speaking about the wonderful things that their products can do? Yeah. You know, why? where's that message? Where's that story? Where's that heritage and that knowledge? Mm-hmm. You know, it's lacking. You know, I, I, I do want to say this in certain companies I've seen this, and I want to see it from other companies as well. But I, I've seen more commercials about life insurance companies recently um, talking about their whole life products. And I, I, I love that. I, I want to see more of it. I, I've never seen it really until the last probably two or three years, I've, I've never seen a, a whole life insurance commercial, but I've seen, you know, a few of them, I'd say pretty recently. That's like um, buying a Volkswagen. You know, you never see a Volkswagen until you buy one and then every car you pass on the drive and on the highways of Volkswagen. <laughs> well, you know, but that's the thing I've known about this for, you know, a long time. And I, I'm pretty sure it would have stuck in my head if I would have seen, you know, a bunch sure. of companies talking about whole life insurance, sure. you know, growing up. I didn't. Um, and recently I've seen some of that. So I love that. It's like, it's like, it is a great product. Um, don't be ashamed of yourselves. Like it, it's a fantastic be product. Be bold, be proud, right? I, I've talked to some like pretty cool people in the industry. And uh, I think, I think some of them um, understand this product, but like Nelson said, most people at the home office don't even understand what they have. And at the end of the day, I don't know if that's them just, you know, punching a clock. I don't know what it is, why they're working there, if that's the case. But it's like, if you did understand how powerful this product is, I mean, it's very hard to replace a just basic, base whole life insurance policy after like 10 years. I mean, because those things are- They're machines. They're machines. They are absolutely beautiful. You can't do it. And if somebody's encouraging you to do it, probably should talk to somebody else. That's almost like, yeah, I know I completely agree with that. <clears throat> the uh, and as a matter of practice in our office, I hate, I loathe replacing life insurance. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that I won't. I'll replace uh, marginal products and weak products in a heartbeat and very quickly. Yeah. Right. But dividend paying whole life insurance is 
um, it's a machine. And the older, the longer it is in existence, uh, mm-hmm. the more efficient and powerful it is. Um, but that's really, you know, there's a couple of things. You know, I was thinking the other day, I mean, we should do a, we should do an episode of like the, the Dirty Dozen, the, the Dirty Dozen of <laughs> IBC. You know, I should probably do that before this is released so some other imposter doesn't do it. <laughs> but that would be one of them is replacement. If somebody tells you that you should replace your policy, that should be a red flag. Yeah. You know, and so um, – if, if that happens, you should just be methodical in mm-hmm. understanding why. Yeah. What you have, number one, from mm-hmm. an unbiased source, and I'm not saying I'm not biased. I'm very biased. I believe that everyone should own dividend-paying life insurance issued by a mutual company and pay a very high premium. Yeah. Okay. So, I'm, I mean, I'm straightforward. I'm biased. I'm too conservative. And, you know, I know my faults, and my, my family does too, I promise you. But – um if a replacement is is brought up, you should be clear mm-hmm. on what you have mm-hmm. and what the suggested replacement is and the differences. Yeah. Right. And it's you can replace a policy anytime. You can surrender a policy anytime. It's your contractual right to walk away. Yeah. You can do that anytime. You cannot necessarily buy life insurance at any time. Yeah. Okay, so we can all change our mind and quit, but look, you—it's easy to replace one or drop one. It's not necessarily so easy to get one, depending on your situation, your age, your health, and all that. Yeah. So, I'm just saying it's a red flag. It should give cause for concern. And then there's another one too that is like I mentioned it earlier. Somebody says you should go cash on cash, quote unquote, in a given year, in year two or three, that should cause a red flag. Mm-hmm. Why? What am I giving up to do that? That's right. Right. And if I have a policy that's maybe not going to go cash on cash for five, six, seven, ten, or 50, whatever, and then I'm presented, well, here's one that'll go cash on cash in two or three years. Really? Two red flags, replacement, mm-hmm. and then that, right? Um, so. And again, piggybacking on that, if somebody tells you that, you know, uh, you know, the way we've built a policy or somebody else has built a policy incorrect because all policies need to be built and designed this way. Right. That's probably a gigantic. That is a gigantic red flag right there. Because right. that's that. I mean, just takes away from the imagination right there of Nelson Nash that, you know, that all policies should be built in a specific way and almost goes against the reasoning and the logic as well. Because I does. mean, it violates his four fundamentals. Yeah. You know, number one, think long range. I'm not thinking long range. If I have to go cash on cash immediately or two years or three years or whatever. And I even know why they do it. Yeah. And so selling illustrations. Yeah. But go ahead. Um, and then don't be afraid to capitalize. Well, if I have to get everything out or collateralize it immediately, then I'm afraid to pay a premium. Period. Right. Right. And then be an honest banker. Don't be afraid to steal the piece or don't don't steal the piece. Be afraid to steal the piece. Yeah. Don't steal the piece. Okay. Well now if that thinking, see the, the, the flaw is in the thinking, yeah. right? So um, if I can't think long range and if I'm afraid to capitalize and I got to get everything out as quick as possible, then the first thing I'm going to do is like, oh, do I have to repay the loan? Well, if I don't have to repay the loan, do I even have to pay the interest? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then when you carry out this, okay, um, 
And then don't do business with banks, you know, other than checking their savings. Yep. Well, okay, if you've got to go hawk your real estate to get a HELOC or cash out refi or whatever, if you've got to go do business with a third-party lender to pay a life insurance policy to become your own banker, I mean, you're stomping all over those, Yeah. right? And going back to your point in imagination, reason, and logic, if I can't imagine the benefits over a long term above going cash on cash in years two or three, man, you have an opportunity to increase your imagination skills, <laughs> right? And look out of, you know, imagination, uh, reason, logic, and prophecy. When I first heard Nelson, I heard prophecy. I mean, yeah. I heard it, right? And then, you know, he says out of all of them, imagination is the most important. Yeah. So. I mean, he highlights in his book, there's a chapter called imagination where he highlights that specifically it's very early on in the book if you aren't a big reader um if you're not a big reader that's a perfect reason to uh if you don't like to read it's hard to find time to read that's a nelson did it in 92 pages yeah and some of those <laughs> end pages they're important to read but there are you know recommendations on books there's definitions um and then of course in the early pages you know you have um you know publishing and all that i mean the, the first page really is like starting almost like page 11 like is, is where like he starts with text and like speaking to you so don't let 92 scare you <laughs> exactly it, it is a very short book and when he is saying you can get it done in three hours you, you're reading slow if you're getting it done yeah. in three hours but what um, if it takes you five Okay. Takes you 10. I don't, yeah, yeah. it's worth it. And you should, I'm just saying, I, I know people who have read, if you can read the Bible, which is a massive, massive book, you can read Nelson's book. Oh, no question. It, all you got to do is read a couple of chapters, you know, out of the Bible and you should. Yep. Absolutely. Um, well, I don't want to mention the word Bible over and over. You know, I had a guest Bible? Barry, uh, page on and, uh, YouTube shredded the algorithms because he was a Bible salesman. And I think the Bible came up 66 times, mm, 66 books in the Bible. Isn't that a clinky name? Can we, can we outdo that? Bible, 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 Bible. <laughs> um, I'm just saying, I'm just sharing with the listeners that uh, I was shocked. I'm like, wow. And you can just tell that the algorithm shredded it. And yeah. you're like, why? And so that's the uh, best guess. I mean, that's an educated guess. Yeah. Um, so do you have uh, any other points there that you want to? Cover? You know, uh, it's funny that you say that. Uh, so points to cover. Nelson, one of one of the last pages that has text on it, um, I think is a very, very important page that is skipped over way too often. Mm. And it's the points to consider. The points to consider. So first point, there's only two sources of income, right? People at work or money at work. Two sources. Um, second, in passive income, uh, if you, you could put your money into a tax-free environment, into a tax-free product, would you object to doing it? Points to consider. Um, three, this is a big one because I've talked to, about this to a lot of my clients, to a lot of our clients. Um, we've gone over, over, and over. Um, and I think a lot of people get scared about this or they want to do this immediately and it's just not where you start. But uh, they want they want premiums to equal income. Yeah. So the third a uh, point to consider is is yeah premium should equal can equal income um but it, he says it's 20 years for the average person this is from his text it takes 20 years for the average person to do that did so you say 20 in 20 the in the book in the book in text i've misquoted that because i said it took him 14 years 
He's not the average person. I agree. But yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, 20 for the average person. And that means a lot of people take longer than that. And you have your Nelson Nashes out there that maybe get it done quicker. Um, but if you just talk about averages, right? Average, it's a, it's, a, it's a big, important word there. How many people actually have, you know, inqu income equaling um, premium? Very, very few. And those who do it, again, the average is 20 years. So... Well, that's surely that. not where you start. I agree. And when you start that way, and, and I've seen it, you know. Uh, Borrowing from your policy to buy another policy to borrow from your policy to buy another policy. It, yeah. And then you've maxed that out. And then you got to pay all those loans back to the people. Interest. People. Red flag. Red flag. When they are telling you you need to finance your policy to at all, whether it's financing your first policy or financing your second policy from your first policy. There may be strategies where you can get that done and it can make sense. Those are so few and far between. I, I I have not seen one personally, personally come across my desk where that's made sense. But I know I, I'm I'm sure maybe you've had a client that that's made sense for. Oh yeah yeah. Um, well look you can look when you know what you're doing. That's just not where you start. Yeah. You know what I knowing what I know would I borrow against one policy to start another policy in a heartbeat and I'm properly going to mark on the application that it's being financed you know mm -hmm. and there is a legitimate case for premium finance and we're not talking about premium finance mm -hmm. and oh what could go wrong in the lowest interest rate environment ever not much right until the interest rates go up and then there's you got all that premium finance um, but I don't want to go down that road I'm just saying yeah. that that is not where you start it does take time and and it is okay to uh, become your own banker. Everything you do is finance. If I have to finance a premium, the, it must make sense, right? That is not where you start. We do not do that. I do not encourage that. Can you borrow? You can borrow against anything that you own if a, if a lender is willing to, you know, give the money. Mm -hmm. So, and I'm not, I'm not, I completely agree with what you're saying. Um, I'm just adding that, you know, it can be done, but yeah. it should be done with uh, common sense and reason and with um, an agent or an advisor who maybe is not selling the note or maybe is not getting enumerated from the note sale or the sale of the loan, Ooh. which I'm not even opposed to getting paid. I'm a capitalist, right? Absolutely. Um, it's just that. And we see them, you know, we, 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 we hear, we hear these things every day, day in and day out. Jake, my, I have a policy. The agent called and says, it's time to buy another one. Why? Because you have all that cash value. Like that's the purpose of the cash value is to finance a second policy. Oh, and then they go down the road because most of the time they're uh, direct recognition companies because right? <laughs> they pay that great big dividend <laughs> until there's an outstanding loan. Then they'll, well, it's another red flag. Go take your policy down to the third party lender and collateralize it. Oh, um, that's the the most valuable thing that you have, right? Something that when you borrow from it is not you're not having a personal guarantee borrowing against your policy. That is not a personal, they're not gonna come take your car. They're not gonna come take your house. Nothing like that will come from your policy. But you go put that at a bank and you don't fulfill that personal guarantee. Um, they'll come take your, your your stuff. Absolutely, they will. Yeah, it's a- <clears throat> Why would you leverage that? Why, why would you leverage that, leverage that with the bank? I mean, talk about don't do business with banks. Right. Using your policy to do business with banks? Oh my God, that's like, 
Well, I got to share this. It was like, so, um, you know, I've had a banker. We have several bankers, but um, one of the young bank, I love him. So my original banker graduated, you know, the local regional bank, right? Been with him 30 years or a long time. And uh, so I become orphaned. So Bobby, here's a shout out to Bobby, right? Paul, uh, the original one. Shout out to Paul first. Yeah, Love you, Paul. Paul. Uh, so Bobby calls, uh, I'm Mr. Nethery, you know, and it's like, oh, I'm orphaned. They're great. Well, he didn't use a word I did. I'm like, oh, I'm orphaned and you're the replacement banker. And he's like, well, yeah, I kind of need any money. I'm like, no, <laughs> no, I don't. Thank you. Anyway, we've developed a great friendship, right? And I've educated him on life insurance, right? Mm-hmm. And I have done a loan collateralizing, you know, a policy, Um I did. You know, I even had a conversation with that. I got a whole nother module. You know, my wife wanted a pool and buying real estate. There's cash values and yeah. there's premium. You know, it's another thing that you learn as you become your own banker. Things don't necessarily happen on your timeline. Yeah. You know, real estate deals don't necessarily close on your timeline. Mm-hmm. Right. Cash flows don't necessarily come in on your timeline. Right. Opportunities when they arise. You know, it's no, they're not always scheduled. Oh, I'm going to be presented with a great deal on January 15th. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So there is a timing issue. And the more cash value that you have access to, the greater ability you have to control. Okay. Um, Absolutely. Anyway, I had the whole conversation with Nelson. I'll do a module someday about how to, you know, because I told him, I'm like, this may be too much. But I'm like, Nelson, no, I've, I've done this. it uh, twice. I mean, I have taken out. Personally, I've done, uh, you know, 30-year fix. And I have refinanced. A couple of times, right? Cash out refinance, right? Yeah. And then I pay that money into the PUA, right? And so your mom wanted to pull, and I love to swim. I swim every day in the morning and night. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, I'm like, Nelson, I'm going to do this. I'm going to make a module, and I'm going to do this. What do you think? You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a cash out refi, put the money. This would be the number three, I think, at that time. Uh you know, pay a PUA premium. Then I'm going to turn around and finance the pool and I'm going to make my wife repay the loan because she's, I'm, <laughs> I'm a harsh banker. Right? Um, and, and we had a conversation. And I'll get into more how that conversation went. So, uh, but this is not the case. This is a different case mm-hmm. or a different time. I did not wind up doing that. We just directly financed the pool from the policies. Um, and your mother's still making a payment. And I'm a, I'm a, I'm a knuckle cracker. If she makes late payments, I'm going to penalize her. Anyway, um, my lovely wife, Jenna, his <laughs> mother, you know, we've done a Valentine's Day podcast, I think, last year. A good um, one, too. So I'm just saying we had that whole conversation with Nelson, and then I educated Bobby, you know, and he was appreciative, you know, and it's like, look, there's a, I named the companies right here. These companies are direct recognition. The agents that write those policies, they have relationships with bankers because they're direct recognition. They're going to get deemed hard. The owner of a life insurance policy with a direct recognition company is going to get deemed hard on this dividend if there's an outstanding loan. So the agents train their their clients here and they'll and they'll and they'll connect the banker right and the policy owner take your policy down there and collateralize it with the bank that way you get the full dividend and i'm just saying if you're a banker and you happen to be listening to this episode um and you ever collateralize on a dividend paying whole life insurance policy i will buy that at a profit okay (laughs) right for the listener 
you know, don't sell your life insurance policy without being fully aware. That's another red flag. If somebody wants you to sell your life insurance policy, that's yeah. a red flag. Don't do that unless you are fully aware of the consequences and the repercussions of doing that because it's not necessarily beneficial for you. And there may be better ways for you to yeah. um, have access to capital. Absolutely. So, I didn't mean to rant on that, but. No, it's good because, I mean, we can get into the, the fourth point that, you know, point to consider and this is this is i miss nelson and i miss hearing him say this um and he always says it with his you know smooth accent southern draw damn accent but he always talked about um when government creates a problem i.e owner's taxation and then they turn around and give you the solution i.e uh uh, uh, qualified retirement plans Aren't you just a little bit suspicious? <laughs> oh, God, I miss that man saying it, man. Uh, but yeah, no, uh, I, I love that. So that's his fourth point to consider. Um, uh, fifth, wealth has to reside somewhere. Where is it going to reside? And, you know, he goes through and in that little point, that's a, that's a big drawn out point. But he talks about um, whether, you know, you're, you're putting it into stocks, whether you're putting it into you know, qualified retirement, whatever it happens to be, wealth has to reside somewhere. And there are problems to a lot of the things that are out there that, you know, people, you know, traditionally put their wealth to reside in. Um, and he, he points those out. And yep. that, I mean, God bless him. Um, six, very basic. You finance everything you buy. Very, very basic, but it, it's it's an absolute truth. And anytime that you are not financing with your IBC policy, you're not putting that money to premium first, then using it. You're missing an opportunity. Opportunity cost right there, buddy. Um, and then seven, um, you're f- need, this is this is something that um, I don't say I struggle with, but it's it's something that, you know, I love life insurance. Um, but Nelson says your need for finance during your lifetime exceeds your need for life insurance. That's the seventh point. That's what he pretty much ends the, I'll say he ends the book on because he has, you know, one more um, uh, page that, you know, you need to read as well still. But I mean, Nelson did everything in that book very purposefully. Everything was handcrafted. Um, that that book was done with very specific intention on each and every chapter. So when he ends that chapter right there, he's making an emphasis. He's making a point. He, I mean, if you think about this book was really, it came from his, his seminars that he used to do. So, I mean, everything was with emphasis. Everything was for with purpose. He covered, he told the stories he, he told for very specific reasons. Um, you know, Parkinson's laws in the book for very specific, you know, Sutton's law, um, you know, the golden rule, all of those, and then, you know, uh, every one of those is in there for a very specific reason. Very, very specific reason. So, um, it hopefully listening to this podcast uh, makes you want to go reread that book. It um, does. No, it really, it really does. Um, that's just what I was thinking. I was like, what an opportunity to go back and reread. You know, and I really don't care how many times you've read it. It's okay to reread it. And it's okay right. to walk away from it for a while. You know, and then come back. As a matter of fact, um, his method of writing that came from his mentor, Leonard E. Reed. Mm-hmm. And he said about Leonard that it's like he wrote in such a way that it's very powerful. But you had to almost read a section and then ruminate on it for a day or two 
and then come back and either reread it or read the next section. Mm -hmm. And if you look at how Nelson wrote that, that's exactly the way he wrote it. And we've had conversations about that too. Um, So when you read through that the first time, you jump over a whole lot. Um, and I've heard lots of people say, well, it's too simple or I didn't like the way it was written. And most of the time they have some kind of degree or they, <laughs> you know, highly educated. No, no disparagement there. But it's like, now you've got a master's degree and you're going to shred this man on how he wrote a book. Um, of course, they um, sometimes correct themselves later and say, oh, I didn't know. I didn't yeah. realize. My point here is that. It's okay to read. It's preferable to read that book more than one time, mm-hmm. and with different amounts of time separating too. Because at the end of the day, and in reality, we're all um, learning creatures, right? We like to learn. We want to learn, um, and it's okay to learn. And the difference between all of us, you know, the last ten years, the difference between you ten years ago and ten years today is. You know, the people that you've been around, what you've read, and the experiences that you've enjoyed, Mm -hmm. right? And so your experience in life will change your perspective. If we're looking, if I'm looking at this yellow legal pad, you, the listener, the viewer, if you're looking at that legal pad through the lens and you're looking at that legal pad from, you know, your position, we're all looking at the very same thing, but we're all looking at it from different perspectives, Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know you all know this. I'm not saying anything you don't already know. I'm just um, reaffirming what you know or suspect. Um, And two, my experience over a given time period is going to change my perception or could change my perception. It will. It absolutely will. And I mean, that's why you need to continuously read that book. It is you, you have not. I promise you, you have not read that book too many times. you just can't um for you i guess i don't even know if i should say this but um for the life insurance agents out there who are you know trying to do this um if you only knew nelson's book and you only taught out of nelson's book you know what that's the best place you can start especially when you're talking about infinite banking concept i know there's a bunch of people and a bunch of gurus out there who you know think they know it all and um act like they do at least and you know they're telling you you should do it you know this way and this is the only way to do it there are so many ways that you can implement this concept um and there's so many things you can do with it it is is truly infinite um but you cannot read that book too many times and you cannot familiarize yourself with that book too many times. My favorite calls with my art, with our clients are when you know, our clients are like quoting me from Nelson's book and making me like go write it down. So I go reread it later to, you know, it's like, okay, well, that was a great point. Like, Oh, let me go reread that. Um, so again, you that, know, that reminds me of when I was, uh, probably 15 years ago. It was a long time ago. I should have done it. I talked about it. You know how you talk about things. You know, I should do this or I should do that. You have really great ideas and then you might not follow through on them. This is one of the really uh-huh. great ideas that I had and didn't follow through on. Um, I thought that, if, so this was after the DVD was produced. Um, and I fully believe, and, and two, that's when GoPro kind of came. It was when I was exposed to GoPro. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought to myself, and I, and I spoke it out loud in front of people, um, you know, I I fully believed at that time, and I believe to this day, that if I had a case of becoming your own banker books and a case of Banking with Life DVD and a credit card, mm. right, with maybe a ten dollars or $15,000 line of credit, whatever, um, or limit, I could be dropped off in any English-speaking <laughs> city in North America, 
preferably the U.S. because I practice within the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that I could start a business right, educating people on the idea of becoming your own banker with Nelson's Becoming Your Own Banker mm-hmm. and with the DVD. Yeah. I fully believe it. And then document it was where the GoPro came in. Um, you know, so if you're a young agent advisor out there, I mean, I'd be interested in, in participating in a in a project like that to just see if, you know, it could be successful. Um, I think it could. And I like to travel, and I'd rather travel to the beach somewhere as opposed to doing that. But Florida. All right. Maybe some freedom still left somewhere. Maybe. All right, so what else? You want to wrap it up with anything in particular? Man, or? that's really what I had. Not, I, I mean, I feel like it's a good place to wrap up because at the end of the day, um, it starts with Nelson's book and it's going to end with Nelson's book. Amen. Um, so, and it should. So you're, you're after, you know, you start this process. The first thing you should do is get your head in that book. Um, second thing you should do, get your head in that book. Third thing you should do, call our office, get this pol- get a policy in force on yourself. Fourth thing, read that book. Fifth thing, get either another policy or expand your policies into your family. Um, if you're uninsurable, get it on somebody who is insurable. Get back to the book and just continue that process. Just get to it, right? Read the book. Simple. Start the process, become your own banker, and expand and learn and grow. That's what I heard. Nelson, above all, get started now. My gosh. Good job. All right. Thanks. You'll have to come back. Yeah, for sure. We're just scratching the surface on stuff yet. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I had fun. I did too. Thank you for having me. No, thanks for coming on. You'll have to come back. Thanks for listening. We enjoyed it and hope you do as well. Thank you for joining us on the Banking with Life podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to like and subscribe and click on that little notification bell. Otherwise, join us on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher for weekly content.